Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another. Tuesday Night Jaw mini episode on the Distraction Pieces Network. Uh, hi, I'm Jim. Um, sorry there wasn't an episode last week. Um, for those of you who are familiar with my uh, private life in any way, you'll be aware that uh, my wife was due to have a baby. We had a baby. We had our son last Thursday. Um, the, one of the reasons I'm speaking kind of quietly, and this is only going to definitely be a mini episode this time around, is that my wife and my son are now in bed. It is 20 past 11 on Tuesday, the 16th of August, meaning this still counts as a Tuesday night jaw. I am recording it on a Tuesday. Um, but the lad and the wife are very tired, um, so you might hear crying every now and again. Um, not from me, from this, my son. Um, uh, and that's why we didn't have one last week. Back to normal now. And I've done a little thing this week. I've actually done some writing and some preparation um, because... Next Sunday, this coming Sunday, is SummerSlam, which means next week we'll be doing our roundtable episode. Uh, so there'll be a roundtable Tuesday Night Jaw episode concerning SummerSlam and as reviewing SummerSlam and no doubt NXT and all that sort of stuff next Tuesday. However, I needed something to talk about this week. I haven't had a chance to go out and interview a guest or anything like that. So what we're going to do is we're going to do my 10 favourite SummerSlam matches of all time now. I want you guys to play along with this, like we did when me and Chris Brooker did the draft. So this is how it's going to work. Me on Twitter is at Jim Smallman. Uh, use the hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. You know the drill by now. What I'd like you to do is come up with your 10. You don't have to tell me the reasons. Uh, and you probably can't tweet me your 10 favourite SummerSlam matches in one tweet because that would go way over the character limit so what you do is uh, write it in word or something like that screenshot it and tweet 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 me a picture of it so i can see yours because i like the debate i like the debate i like to know what you think of my top 10 i'd like to know uh, your what your top 10 is now there's some rules pay attention to these rules because when we did the draft you didn't all pay attention to the rules i've set myself some rules so i don't just choose three or four matches from one particular SummerSlam. And I don't choose loads of matches involving wrestlers that I I particularly love. Um, I do love most wrestlers, let's be honest. So these are the rules, okay? You choose 10 matches. Out of those 10 matches, you can only have one match from each pay-per-view. So, for example, you choose one match from SummerSlam 1992, held at the Wembley Stadium, um, which most wrestling fans of this country are out of my age. 
Um, you choose a match from SummerSlam 1992. You can't choose another match from SummerSlam 1992. You can only have one match from each pay-per-view. That makes it kind of hard. I'm now about to make it even more hard. Each wrestler can only be in one match. That means, for example, you cannot have more than one appearance from Bret Hart in your top ten. Which makes it particularly difficult, because Bret Hart's been in loads of really, really cool matches. And also he was in really cool tag matches, one of my favourite tag matches of all time, which I'll point out in a little while, was on a SummerSlam. means you have to just choose one appearance from Bret Hart, which then makes it difficult, because depending on who he's facing, might affect whether or not you can choose that person later on. So there's a little bit of juggling to do, and why the sort of bottom end of my top ten, you might be like, why have you chosen that? And it's because it makes it really difficult to choose things higher up based on my rules. So, only one match from each pay-per-view... And each wrestler can only be in one match. Obviously, you like my list of matches. They're all on the WWE Network. Go and watch them. If you've never seen them before, go and watch them. Let me know what you think. Again, at Jim Smallman on Twitter. Hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. Before I get to my top ten, a couple of little plugs. Uh, obviously, I'm one of the owners of Progress Wrestling. Uh, demand-progress.com if you want to watch all of our shows. We had a great show in Manchester this past Sunday, which... Um, I managed to ring announce for whilst as tired as I have ever been. I turned up like 20 minutes before the show. I left 20 minutes after the show. It's the least work I've ever done on a show apart from the ring announce. And I'm super grateful to John and Glenn uh, for letting me do that. And they've really looked after the company and really looked after me while I've been looking after my wife and my little boy. So um super grateful to them for that. So demand-progress.com, you want to watch all of our shows. Um, progresswrestling.com, if you want to get some tickets. We've got a show in London, which I think there's probably a handful of tickets left for at the end of this month, August the 28th. Um, and then, of course, we've got our huge Brixton show. Uh, massive Brixton show um, on September the 25th. We've started announcing names for that. Obviously, Tommaso Ciampa versus Zack Sabre Jr. has already been announced. That will be on the show. Um, it's going to be great. I'm not going to lie, it's the Brixton Academy, it's a venue I've watched music in countless times, and now get the ring announce in, and we get to put on a wrestling show that we're going to be super, super proud of, the biggest independent wrestling show in England in about a decade. So progresswrestling.com slash shows, you will see all the shows that you can currently buy tickets for, um, get yourself some tickets, come along and see us, that's what we'd really, really like you to do. And if you already get tickets, tell someone else about it. Because we're doing special things with Progress and we'd love to have you guys along uh, to come along and see it. So that's pretty much the plugs over with. Uh, that's it. If you want to plug the podcast to people, there's an easy way of linking to it. jimsmallman.com slash tnj. jimsmallman.com slash tnj. That goes to my website, but it gives a list of all the episodes that we've had in the past and various easy ways that people can link to it, whether or not they're iTunes, Android-based, whatever. So jimswoman.com slash TNJ and progresswrestling.com slash shows. Plugs over. Let's get to SummerSlam because it's a big old week for wrestling. Okay, here is my top 10. Remember, top 10 SummerSlam matches, but observing key rules. Only one match is allowed from any particular pay-per-view. So once you've chosen a match from that pay-per-view, that pay-per-view is now unavailable to choose anything else from it. And also, each wrestler can only be in one match. So once you've chosen a wrestler once, you cannot use him again in your top 10. And I'm going to even say you can't choose them again if they've been under a different uh, a different persona or a different name. You can still only use them once. So you can't use Rikishi and the Sultan. Not that you would, but you can't. Okay? Also, you can't go, oh, someone was in a tag team. You can't choose someone in a tag team and then someone as a singles wrestler. Absolutely not. You can only choose someone once. Okay, there's the rules. Right, number 10. 
for me, SummerSlam 1999, the very peak of the Attitude Era, and a match that I never thought would be any good. You've got to bear in mind, in 1999, I was getting long play videotapes of all Japan pro wrestling. I was watching Misawa and Kawada and Akiyama and Tawe and Kibashi, and that was the stuff I enjoyed. And this match I've chosen from SummerSlam 1999 is not what you would have expected me to enjoy in 1999. And I didn't know what a smark was, but I definitely was one. Um, it's it's the lover or lever match. Greenwich Street Fright. It's got so many stipulations. The lover or lever Greenwich Street Fright between Test and Shane McMahon. There's no, there's no way a man like me should be choosing a match like this. But I am. Because it's great. And there's a reason it's great. I, I went into this thinking, well, this is going to be rotten. Because Test's alright, but he's just a big dude. And he's not that interesting. And Shane McMahon is the boss's son. Surely he can't wrestle. Now, the first to say, Shane can't throw a punch. Like, try not to watch him. He strikes, because it will anger you. But... Shane can wrestle, and Shane is entertaining, and Shane gets it. And that's why it was so popular when he came back, and everyone, everyone's minds were blown by him arriving back in WWE earlier on this year. Um, the stipulation of this match was uh, Test was dating Stephanie, and uh, Shane was a very protective older brother, I think. Um, uh, the, the plot's daft. Don't try and get involved with the plot. The plot means out if we're being honest and there's the presence of the mean street posse which doesn't help a match be serious when you've got men in sweater vests sat in the front row watching the match to back up their buddy um and (laughs) i I still love even now the names of the mean street posse crack me up joey abs acceptable rodney just rodney i don't know if someone watched only fools and horses but rodney Uh, and pete gas i don't know if it's because he was on the gas i don't know either way Come on, guys. But it is really good. And it's partly because my expectations were so low. But Test comes out of this looking like a proper monster and being genuinely good. And Test, bless him, he's not here anymore, but he was in some good matches. He gets a lot of the heat for, for being a, you know another tall guy who looked good, who wasn't necessarily the greatest wrestler. But he was fine. He was perfectly good at what he did. Um, but the main part of this match is you, there's bits of this match where you're like, whoa, well, Shane is both decent at what he does. And you know what? He is willing to do anything to make this work, including sacrificing himself. And obviously, he went on to be in even more insane matches, particularly one with Kurt Angle uh, a couple of years after. But it, genuinely, an underrated match that you go back now and go, all right, it, it probably doesn't have the same impact if you watch it now. But back at the, at the time when I watched this live, it properly blew my mind. And I remember it being the match I enjoyed the most at SummerSlam 1999. Um, also, that's what the Attitude Era was about. It wasn't always necessarily about the wrestling, was it, if we're being honest. That's number 10. Number 9. I'm going to take you back to SummerSlam 1993. And this is a properly left-field choice. But again, my rules about what you can choose makes this difficult to do. I've gone for the WWE Tag Team title match, or WWF as it was, between the Steiner Brothers and the Heavenly Bodies, who weren't even signed to WWF at the time. They were still working for Smoky Mountain Wrestling and got to rock up at a pay-per-view to have a title match with the Steiners. Now, there's loads of reasons I've chosen this. I love the Steiners. I mean, not not so much, maybe, over the last 10 years. 
but early nineteen, late nineteen eighties, early nineteen nineties, Scott and Rick Steiner, they were great. They were tremendous. If you ever want to have a fun afternoon, go onto WWE Network and watch some old episodes of Raw from the very beginning of Raw when the Steiners were allowed squash matches where they would just, and it's very unprofessional, but they would just kill jobbers. And I'll be honest, it's quite entertaining to watch. It's genuinely entertaining to watch. Um, uh, The other good thing about the Steiners is is you ever want to really get a handle on what the 1990s was like fashion-wise, then just put on any Steiner Brothers match, WWF or WCW or even New Japan, and just check out their singlets, because that is essentially what the 90s looked like in terms of fashion, normally in one or two man's singlets. That's pretty much it. Um... The Steiners weren't great in, in their, their WWF run wasn't brilliant. I mean, they they were I think two time tag team champions, but they weren't necessarily as good as or as unstoppable as they were back in the old NWA WCW days. But they were fantastically entertaining to watch because they were quite brutal. The Heavenly Bodies. Now, there's various uh, incarnations of the Heavenly Bodies. This one uh, is Doctor Tom Pritchard and. Uh, Jimmy Del Rey. Jimmy Del Rey is great. If you can go and seek out, or you can watch Smoky Mountain on the WWE Network as well. But go out and seek a load of Jimmy Del Rey matches. Jimmy Del Rey, of course, is the uh, father of uh, Sarah Del Rey and Lana Del Rey. I made that bit up. He's not, but I am a big Jimmy Del Rey mark. He's just there's something about him. It's just a sleazy wrestler. Who just I don't I don't know if he's legit sleazy himself, but just in terms of uh, his character just always came across as being sleazy and was just a great tag team wrestler and a great singles wrestler as well. I don't see quite so much of that. Um, but this, it, you think, why have you chosen this? But it just was. It's a good, you know, sort of 13-minute long match between two tag teams who were very good at tag team wrestling. You know, if you watch a team like The Revival on NXT and go, do you know what? There's something I really enjoy about watching The Revival. Then watch this match. Trust me, you will enjoy it. I promise you. It is great. I love the fact as well the Heavenly Bodies got to work in Smoky Mountain, which was as as sort of... Um, how can I put this? As sort of... I, I don't like using the term redneck because I don't want to offend any of our American listeners, but it, it, it kind of... Smoky Mountain was... It's brilliant to watch, but you know some of the gimmicks and stuff they did there just to appeal to the crowd they had there, it's... it's it's a little bit out there for what we would expect now. So, you know, the fact that they work in Smoky Mountain and WWE is just awesome. Number eight. And we're getting the stuff that's slightly more acceptable now, I think. Um, now, this is a match from SummerSlam 2005. Now, it's obviously not Hulk Hogan versus Shawn Michaels. Um, go and watch that match anyway if you want to see a man, Shawn Michaels, overselling for someone... Like the only way you will see more overselling is if you watch any All Japan Giant Baba matches, because a lot of Giant Baba's stuff, bless him, because he was a big guy towards the end of his career and the end of his life. He was a big guy; he was all headbutts and knees, but oh, there was stuff that didn't really look like it could break an egg. But people would sell for him because he was the boss of the company and he was a giant, so it was believable. Um, Hogan Michaels is Shawn Michaels selling for a man that he just I would presume at the time he didn't get on with too well. Um, uh, so yes, 
Uh, it's not Hogan Michaels, but do watch that for a laugh. This is a match between two guys who are all-time greats. It's not necessarily the best match that these two men have had with each other. We'll get into that. It's Eddie Guerrero against Rey Mysterio. Uh, and it's a horrible stipulation. It's a ladder match, which, yeah, two guys. If you're going to have two guys in a ladder match, these are two guys that you should you should want to have because they're great. Um, but the stipulation is it is for the custody of Dominic uh, Ray's son, which is not great. And that side of the storyline, yeah, not too fussed about. However, the match itself is great because it is a 20-minute long ladder match between two of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Their best match, in my opinion, if you want to go back and watch it, Halloween Havoc 1997, uh, which is Mask vs. Title, I think. Uh, it's wonderful. Again, it's on the network. Go and watch it. Absolutely wonderful match. Eddie's in my top five wrestlers from the United States of all time. There's going to be someone now who's going to tweet me and go, but Eddie was Mexican. No, he wasn't. He was born in El Paso, which is in Texas. Um, he's a Mexican heritage, but he's American. Um, and I just think he was he was great. From The weird thing with Eddie as well is the first time I ever watched him wasn't even in WCW. Um, it, was, it was when he was wrestling in Mexico with Art Bar. And... Again, it's my tape training days when I had no real way of watching WCW at the time. Um, uh, so I watched him there, and then I managed to watch him in ECW. It took me a long time to get hold of ECW stuff. I had Japanese and Mexican stuff first, then ECW. Um, and him and Art Bar as a tag team. Oh, my God. Such heat machines. Absolute heat machines. Um, but Eddie, one of my all-time favourites. Absolutely love him. Um, and Rey Mysterio has always been one of my favourites. I, I think... It's, I mean, his his match with Prince Puma in uh, in Lucha Underground is pretty special. But you know, he's he's someone who's got a lot of injuries. It's not his fault. The style of his wrestling means he's always going to get hurt. But I've always liked Ray ever since I first saw him in uh, on wrestling Psychosis. I think in ECW um, was the first time I ever really sort of paid attention to him. Um, this match, even more sad, is two and a half months after this, Eddie died, and. I think this is probably his last really good match. But let's be honest, you know, Eddie was in dozens of absolutely wonderful matches and a wonderful wrestler who was taken away from us, you know, far too quickly. He was he was my age. I'm 38. He was 38 when he passed away. And um, I know it's not their best. And I know the stipulation kind of drags it a little bit. But And the feud itself wasn't. It's one of those feuds where you go, oh, there's got to be a better reason for these two guys to fight than this. But it's a great match. Um, and I heartily recommend it. That's number eight. Number seven, from last year. Uh, SummerSlam 2015. Uh, uh, this is the only appearance, obviously, because of my rules in the top ten uh, of John Cena. Uh, John Cena against Seth Rollins. Now, I know if you're listening to this, you probably love Seth Rollins because you're the sort of wrestling fan who listens to wrestling podcasts. You listen to this wrestling podcast presented by a British guy who's a comedian who runs a British wrestling promotion. Um, so you probably like Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is pretty much universally liked, um, except maybe by maybe by the occasional child who, who who remembers that he's a heel and you're meant to boo him. Um, I think Seth and Finn Balor this coming weekend is going to be brilliant. I'm looking forward to talking about it next week. Now, this match against John Cena, who again, like I used to have a very different before I was a wrestling promoter, I had a very different opinion of. Um, of John Cena. I, oh, I don't understand why they don't turn him heel. And that sort of standard, smarky opinion. 
John Cena's been in so many good matches and has made so many people look absolutely brilliant. And this is another great example of this. Uh, this was both for Seth's WWE title and Cena's US title. And going into watching this, I was like, well, clearly Cena's going to win everything because he's John Cena and he's Super Cena. No, he didn't. There was all of the near falls in this match. I've written this on my, my sheet in front of me. All of the near falls. Um, also, <laughs> the weirdest swerve finish in that John Stewart, comedian John Stewart, um, who was guest host of SummerSlam, ran down with a chair and hit Cena with a chair in something that... I could be wrong. I don't think has ever been significantly explained why he chose to do that. I mean, if it has, then tweet me. Uh, hashtag Tuesday Night Joe at Jim Smallman. But I don't recall it ever being... I'm, I'm very tired. Again, new baby. Very tired. But, good Lord. Um, booking was all over the place in terms of the craziness at the end of the match. But, gets your heart racing. Great showing from uh, from John Cena, who makes everyone look really, really good. We do knock him, but he can go with anyone. And Seth Rollins, I think this is the the, the start of something that is. Um, it, well, he started at WrestleMania last year, and it went on with SummerSlam, and obviously he got injured, which was a shame around November time. But he is just a wonderful wrestler, and is going to be the. Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart equivalent in WWE for the CM Punk as well equivalent for yeah the next five, six, seven years. I don't think people can be at the very top of the business for for maybe a decade anymore at that sort of style purely because of the style that that Seth chooses to work. But it is a wonderful match. Number six. Now this is going to be controversial for two reasons. Um, one, I don't know if we've ever discussed this really before. Um. One, because of one of the people that it involves. And two, because one of the other people it involves, a lot of people knock in terms of not necessarily thinking he's that interesting. And we'll sort of get to the significance of this match. Um, I've chosen from number six, uh, SummerSlam 2004. Um, I have chosen Randy Orton against Chris Benoit. Now, as a qualification, Chris Benoit, the person... Obviously, I have no time for him because of what he did. Chris Benoit, the wrestler, it is undeniable that he was involved in some absolutely fantastic matches. I would feel strange about... And this is going to sound really weird in a sport that isn't real. I'd feel strange choosing a Benoit match where he came out as a heroic victor, I think. Um, this is a match that he didn't win. This is a match that Randy Orton won. And and I, I think it's a very important match in terms of establishing a star... Um, using the crowd to using a difficult crowd situation to make something really really good you cannot question the fact that Chris Benoit's body of work was wonderful he was a wonderful wrestler who gave us great moments in the ring but again as a person not endorsing anything that he did I always feel I need to qualify saying that because it still feels a bit strange picking a great wrestling match with someone who's done something as horrible as he's done but this is a great match with the right opponent Randy Orton can do great things. Now, whether or not Brock Lesnar is going to be the right sort of guy to make him look good this weekend, we'll see, and we'll discuss on Tuesday Night Jaw next week. For Randy Orton at the time, in 2004, when he's still relatively new, Benoit was his perfect opponent. Even though the match was in Benoit's native Canada, um, how vicious he was made Orton look sympathetic, even though he was meant to be a heel. It was a really difficult situation, because obviously Benoit... He's in his home country. He was popular. 
And, you know, Orton's part of evolution at the time is meant to be a heel. However, he's part of a slow-burning turn at this point, which made everything really, really tricky. <clears throat> the turn actually paid off a couple of weeks later on Raw when he did actually turn face. And it was a surprising... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Title switch to Orton. I mean, we all know now that as a rule, if you wrestle in your hometown or your home country, there's every chance you'll be beaten. But at the time, it was a surprise for Orton to win in terms of it being in Benoit's, uh, Benoit's home country. And it also made Orton the youngest WWE champion in the company's history at that point. It was even, and it was very cleverly done because you think about it. It's difficult to make a champion in someone else's country and, and, and without going down the whole Montreal screw job route. And the, they sort of did a handshake at the end of it that helped put Orton over and keep Benoit as a baby face in his home country and gave him a little bit of a face-saving thing. And it's a great test for someone like Orton. Benoit, at this point, had been wrestling for 15 years and was a machine. Orton hadn't. Orton went AWOL from the army. <laughs> And went into the family business. And in his first couple of years, Orton, people forget now because Orton's now a safe pair of hands in the upper card. He's just, he's, he's, he's not necessarily the most interesting wrestler all the time, but he is a safe pair of hands. And when he goes away and comes back again, like he has done recently, people are excited to see him. Um, but in his first couple of years of him being a competitor, he was genuinely really exciting. Um, uh, and people forget that. Go back and watch this match, SummerSlam 2004, and trust me, you will believe me, and you'll go, yes, you were right, Jim. That is a cracking match. Next, number five, getting in the top five now. SummerSlam 1992. I was 14 years old, and I was at this show at Wembley Stadium, a million miles back. I don't recall being able to see anything particularly well. Uh, I remember buying a program that cost about a million pounds. Um... And the next day I watched this show back again. And my favourite match when I was there was still my favourite match when I watched it live. And it's not the main event. It's not Davy Boy Smith against Bret Hart. It's not. 
Two reasons. One, I've chosen another Bret Hart match, which you'll hear about in a minute. Um, also, I was never super into Davy Boy Smith. Like, I like the British Bulldogs as a tag team back in the day when I had the old sort of uh, uh, Silver Vision videotapes. I used to really uh, Coliseum or Silver Vision, Coliseum or Silver Vision, whichever. But I used to I used to love the British Bulldogs, but that was mainly because I really liked Dynamite because I remember watching Dynamite on World of Sport when I was a kid and. You know, there's always been something about him and his viciousness. And the same reason I, I liked Chris Benoit so much in the ring was because I saw the similarities. Um, so it's not the main event. Um, and truth be told, SummerSlam 1992 was an amazing spectacle in front of 80,000 people at Wembley Stadium. You know, the only pay-per-view that's been off, off of um, uh, WWE pay-per-view that has been away from mainland North America. Um, yeah, it's the rest of the card isn't brilliant. Except for two things. The main event is brilliant. Don't get me wrong. Davy Boy Smith against Bret Hart is brilliant. Probably slightly sullied by reading Bret Hart's autobiography and, and learning that, that Davy Boy couldn't really remember a lot of the match and had to be guided through it. But my favourite match on that show is the Ultimate Warrior against Randy Savage. Two of my favourite wrestlers of all time, even though I know that one of them couldn't wrestle. It's just it's the child childhood thing, isn't it? When I first started liking wrestling, Ultimate Warrior was one of my favourites. It was one of the very few baby faces I liked. And at the same time, I loved Randy Savage. I loved Randy Savage as a heel. I then loved him as a face. And I think this match is brilliant. Even though this match ends in a count-out, which would normally wind me up. 28 minutes to get to a count-out is infuriating. Um, it was just wonderful. It, it, it was a special match for me at the time. And it's still now... I know Warrior's not brilliant, but every now and again, someone would drag a really, really good match out of Ultimate Warrior. Randy Savage managed to drag two out of him, because he had one at WrestleMania as well. Rick Rude dragged a couple of decent ones out of him. The Hulk Hogan um, title switch match with him was was good, considering the two guys that were involved. I know Warrior wasn't the best wrestler in the world, but for people of my age, he was tremendously important. Randy Savage, on the other hand, was both important in terms of someone that I looked at and popped for, but also, let's be honest, he was a fantastic wrestler who was in so many great matches. Um, and this is this is brilliant, you know. You got to remember about SummerSlam 1992. If I wasn't at that show, I wouldn't be as into wrestling as I was throughout my teens and in my early twenties. This podcast wouldn't exist, and I wouldn't own a wrestling company. So. SummerSlam 1992 has got a lot to answer for. The reason we sell 700 tickets whenever we put a progress show on is because there's people of my age who remember that show and there's people who are younger who've been told about that show and that show was a huge reason why WWE still come here now and sell so many tickets. Huge, huge reason. You think about that now. Selling 80,000 tickets in this country. It's unbelievable. Okay. Number four in my top ten SummerSlam matches of all time. From SummerSlam 2000. See if you can predict it. Yeah, it's TLC. Um, It's difficult putting this in because it means I can't... I couldn't choose Jeff Hardy against CM Punk, which is a match that I really, really love. The title match they had. Um, It's Edge and Christian versus the Dudley Boys versus the Hardy Boys. The the first TLC match, the second one was at WrestleMania X7, the following... Uh, March or April, whichever, whenever it was that year. Um, watching this first time around, it, it genuinely felt business changing. I'd seen crazy bumps uh, in indie wrestling, and I'd seen crazy bumps in ECW uh, in the sort of mid to late nineties. 
but this changed the business in so many ways. Some ways, I mean, for the better in some ways, because it was a genuinely new spectacle, it felt, to a mainstream WWE audience. That's brilliant. That's genuinely business changing. In terms of indie wrestling um, and and stuff like backyard wrestling, it probably made wrestling a little bit worse because people were desperate to try and find a bigger and bigger and bigger bump all the time. Um, I don't think that you know, we go down as, as crazy a route as we do sometimes with some of the stuff we see in indie wrestling. I include my own company in this. If we had never had these matches, um, obviously if stuff's done safely, it's cool. And done by professionals, then it's cool. But you know, don't be having TLC matches in front of 20 people would be what I'd say. It just seems a bit daft. Anyway, it did feel properly business changing. It made the careers of all six men. Um, the Dudleys were already a brilliant tag team. One of the best tag teams in the world one of my favourite tag teams of all time in fact I remember being gutted that the Dudleys did not win this match absolutely gutted because I love the Dudleys Dudleys are brilliant made Edge and Christian it made the Hardy Boys you know people forget that you know Edge and Christian when they first came into WWE would would not brilliant Edge in particular some of his opening matches when he first started were ropey as anything and they didn't really know what to do with him and they gave him loads of good vignettes and they didn't really know what to do with him then and then they had the brood and then the new brood and it just it all got very confusing and the Hardys as well Hardys were around for ages go back and watch a load of old episodes of Raw and watch Jeff and Matt Hardy being thrown around by people doing the job of duties you know they've been around for ages and it just felt like a coming out party for all of them and in theory at SummerSlam you wouldn't necessarily expect you know three tag teams who at the time were not made up of a massive massive stars made up of good tag team wrestlers you wouldn't expect them to steal the show in the way that they did but they did you know it remains an iconic match and it, you know it's something that gave us TLC we didn't have TLC before that um, I prefer this one to the, the second one at WrestleMania X7 although I think both of them are wonderful you know if you're going to do the high impact stunt based matches then you know this has clearly been planned out really really well everything goes to plan and it's done by six guys who really know what they're doing and really trust each other and i think if there's a place for these matches if you have one of these matches on every single show you're gonna get bored of them but if you know when to put these matches on and you know how to do them well and you know once you know maybe once every once every year you have a match like this you can blow people away with it something else that isn't mentioned too often about this this match is less than 15 minutes long this is a brilliant thing because if this match is any longer bearing in mind the punishment that every single man takes in this match this match is longer than 15 minutes it's silly TLC matches only need to be 15 minutes long Hell in a Cell matches don't need to be 45 minutes long they don't this is all you need you just need you need that amount of time to get across the fact that it's brutal Sometimes, you know, one of my, I've mentioned this before, one of my favourite matches of all time is between uh, Katsuyori Shibata and Tomohiro Ishii um, in the the G1 in 2013. Uh, absolutely brutal match. Dave Meltzer gave it five stars. I give it ten stars. I love it. I love it to bits. I show it to people who don't necessarily like wrestling to explain to them what's great about wrestling. That match is 11 minutes long. Matches don't always need to be half an hour long to be a classic. Some half an hour long matches are classics, don't get me wrong, but they don't need to be okay number three this was tricky because he's two of my favorite wrestlers and i had to get them in somewhere and once i'd chosen this match it made it very difficult because i I couldn't choose other matches um 
so this is from SummerSlam 2013. It's Brock Lesnar against CM Punk. That's two of my all-time favourites in one match. A match that now seems a little bit more ironic with Punk's impending UFC debut. Even more ironic if you want to take into account Brock's recent uh, drug issues in UFC and the fact that Punk's straight edge and stuff like that. Um, choosing this match also meant, I mentioned it before, that I couldn't choose uh, CM Punk versus Jeff Hardy, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, or I couldn't choose Brock Lesnar against John Cena, which is when Suplex City was born which I'm aware is a very long squash match, but he's something quite wonderful about it. And quite wonderful about how professional John Cena was in just going, I'm going to take a beating. I'm going to make I'm going to make this monster look more like a monster than ever before. Um, this match was made no disqualification on the pre-show, which if you're a veteran wrestling fan means you probably watched it and went, well, something fishy's going on here. Yeah, kind of. Um, but the no DQ stipulation works well. Paul Heyman's interfering constantly, and that adds another element of drama to it. it. Also, I mean, CM Punk isn't weakened by losing the match. Brock Lesnar looks like a monster, but Punk doesn't look like a bitch. It's great. Um, on that same show is John Cena versus Daniel Bryan, which again is wonderful, um, a wonderful, wonderful match. But solid slightly for me by the Money in the Bank cash in at the end because it got everyone up and then everyone down. And I know that's the point of it, but that means it's effective because I haven't chosen it. Not It's not from a booking point of view. It just it genuinely was like, oh, boo. I'm so pleased for Daniel Bryan and now this has happened. And that's the point. That's what the booking's meant to do. It's not me complaining about the booking. It's just me as a fan going, oh, I was so deflated. I can't choose that main event. Genuinely, it upset me. Okay, we're down to the last two. Any ideas what they're going to be? I don't think you'll guess my number one. Unless you're really smart. Okay, number two. SummerSlam 1994. Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. Now, I know that Bret has been in tons of great SummerSlam matches. And it's difficult to choose one. Equally going in this place could have been... Bret Hart against Mr. Perfect, SummerSlam 1991, which I know Danny Garnell will probably choose as his number one. I think I saw him tweeting earlier on that that's the reason he wanted to become a wrestler. I could have chosen Bret against Davy Boy in 1992, in theory. And also, I mentioned this at the top of the show, um, one of my favourite tag team matches of all time is the Hart Foundation against Demolition at SummerSlam 1992. Two out of three fours matches. Absolutely wonderful. Oh, what a match. Loved it when I was a kid. Still love it now. Absolutely. I might go and watch it after I finish this. It's so good. Um, that said about Bret Hart, one of the greatest of all time. I know he's one of the greatest of all time. I always preferred Owen. And I don't know if it's because I, I liked Owen's slightly more high-flying style a little bit more when I was younger. But just there was something about Owen I always really liked. And I kind of always liked rooting for an underdog. I mean, it's the consequence of being a Leicester City supporter. I've always rooted for an underdog and I just slightly preferred Owen although both guys cannot stress this enough were both absolutely wonderful in their prime this match is 32 minutes long I've just done that thing about a match not needing to be that long this is 32 minutes long it makes sense it's two brothers two brothers who know each other they've grown up together they've trained together it makes sense that that match would go that long it's also a cage match and it's one of the old escape rules cage matches cage matches that there's, you, there's not many really brilliant cage matches I don't mean Hell in a Cell matches, they're different. 
cage matches. There's not many absolutely amazing ones. This is one of the two best cage matches of all time. The other one uh, being Magnum TA versus Tully Blanchard uh, back in NWA, um, which is one of my favourite matches of all time. Um, this match was not even the main event at SummerSlam 1994, even though it was for Brett's WWF title. The main event was a nine-minute long match between The Undertaker and The Underfaker. Uh, through most of the show, Leslie Nielsen had been trying to solve the mystery of it. I'm not making any of this up. That was WWE in 1994. Um, this match was always going to overshadow that in the eyes of the wrestling fans, and it is absolutely wonderful. just proves at the time it, it, that main event of Undertaker 1 against Undertaker 2 was giving the sports entertainment people what they wanted. This was giving us, the wrestling fans, what they wanted. Um, it's wonderful. It's a sign of what can happen when you have chemistry between two people who know each other really well. When we put in progress shows together, I would say some of the best matches that we've ever had have been between people who are really good friends. I'm not going to go too much into letting you know who's good friends and stuff like that, but but the, the talent that we've used in progress, some of the best matches we've ever had have been between two people who are legit good friends or people who've trained together um, well I can definitely give you two guys who train together Tommy End against Chris Hero during Super Strong Style this year was wonderful because they know each other so well and I think if you've got that chemistry you know you can you can go and go and go and just make something really really wonderful and in this case it's not two best friends it's two guys who are both really good friends but were brothers had grown up together and wrestled together in their dungeon for years and years and years and this is the culmination of something quite wonderful it's, it's wonderful Okay then, number one, my number one choice, my number one favourite SummerSlam match of all time. Following my rules, only one match is allowed. Once one match is chosen from one card, you can't use that card again. And equally, you can only have one match per wrestler. Once a wrestler's used, you can't use him again. So, who have I chosen? Who have I chosen to be number one in my list? Number one in my list is SummerSlam 2002. Shawn Michaels against Triple H. Now, this might be a shock to a few people. It also means I didn't choose Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon in SummerSlam 1995, which is a great match that everybody loves. Everyone, you know, everyone loves for completely the right reasons. It's wonderful. There's a few things that bug me about this match. First of all, it's unsanctioned, which always winds me up. If it's unsanctioned, why are they filming it on a pay-per-view? Why are they not just doing this in a car park? And until this match, I was, at least at the time, not necessarily the biggest fan of Shawn Michaels. I am now. I've gone back and enjoyed his work. Like that ladder match before, I don't recall enjoying it at the time. Now I appreciate his work of art. But at the time, I wasn't that big a fan of Shawn Michaels. Didn't really see the, the what a big deal he was. When he was in the Rockers, I always preferred Marty Jannetty. I didn't get it at the time until this match in 2002. This was the thing that made me get him and made me go back and enjoy all of his back catalogue and enjoy him as a worker. Um, I'd like Triple H. I certainly didn't like Triple H when he was his sort of snobby blue blood, blue blood phase. But from you know 2000 and his Royal Rumble match uh, with Mick Foley, which is one of my favourite matches of all time, um, I'd, I'd enjoyed Triple H and really appreciated his work. This match is in t- at times... This self-indulgent match. I mentioned the chemistry between two friends. Sometimes you can go a little bit down the self-indulgence route. And, you know, this match, again, it was not the main event on this show. The Rock against Brock Lesnar was. So, 
It's 27 minutes long. It's an unsanctioned street fight, and there's blood galore, and there's weapons, and it's it's insane. But the drama is there, and it is abs- and it's a joy to watch. At the time, it was brutal, it's dramatic, it's believable, and when I watched it at the time, watching it live, it properly blew me away. I think the reason I love it even more is I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. Uh, you know, I thought it might be okay, but I was looking forward to the main event more, and this was... It was just epic, absolutely epic, and it made two guys who were already huge just that little bit more legendary. And the hardcore stipulations, you know, sometimes they're there to hide limitations. That wasn't the case. It's just added to the match. And there's a bit of blood in there, which adds to the match even more. It's just, it's so so special. And even little things like the psychology. Triple H busts out backbreakers galore in this match, like is Roderick Strong, and that's just the psychology over the fact that Michaels have been out from back with a back injury. As a final thought on this match, even more amazing. This is the most amazing thing about it. This was Shawn Michaels' first match for over four years. Imagine being out for four years and coming back and having a match of this quality on a stage that big. Absolutely amazing. Completely wonderful. Right, so that's my top ten. Send me yours. Tweet me, at Jim Smallman. Hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. I want to know yours, okay? Um, Don't forget... It's hard to put them in a tweet. Don't send me 10 tweets. It'll be crazy. Just write them somewhere. Write them down. Take a photo of it with your phone. Uh, write in your notes on your phone. Screenshot it. Send it to me that way. At Jim Smallman. Hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. Don't forget the rules. Only one match is allowed from each pay-per-view. So once you've chosen a match from one pay-per-view, you can't use that pay-per-view again. And each wrestler can only be in one match. You can't replicate a wrestler more than once in your top 10. Okay? They're the rules. Use those rules. Crack on with it. And let me know yours. And don't forget, next week we will have a roundtable discussion focusing on SummerSlam. Uh, and uh, we'll let everyone know our thoughts uh, on the big old show this weekend from Brooklyn. Quite excited about watching it. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm going to be sat with a lad looking after him and feeding him during the course of that night. So it should be pretty sweet. Gives me an excuse to sit up with my little boy and uh, introduce him to his first WWE pay-per-view. They're not really pay-per-views now, but I still could have called them that until the end of time. Don't forget... Please keep telling people about Tuesday Night Jaw. JimSmallman.com slash TNJ is the easiest way to link to it. Give everyone the links to how to download it, get involved, subscribe, all that. If you haven't already subscribed on iTunes or wherever, please do subscribe. Please give us a little review. Maybe give us five stars if you see fit. And tell people about us because the more we can grow, the more cool guests we can have, the more cool stuff we can do. And, you know, I mean, I'm hoping... Like next year, I can get some really good interviews because I don't know if you've heard, but um, my little wrestling company is going to WrestleMania as part of WrestleMania weekend. Uh, Progress is going to do a show uh, as uh, as part of WWN's uh, awesome, uh, awesome uh, order of shows, and we're going to uh, have a Progress versus Evolve show as well, which is going to be really sweet. I really hope they let me ring announce because um, uh, I mean, what an amazing thing. I'm hoping while I'm out there, I can collar a few people and get a few really, really awesome interviews. Um, if you haven't already heard a few of the things we've been doing recently, uh, the interview with Jack Gallagher, uh, amazing interview with William Regal. Uh, we did a whole preview of the G1, which is now finished. Um, I'm not going to spoil it for you if you want to go back on New Japan World and watch all the way through, but we did a, a huge preview of that. We've got all the roundtables to go back and listen to as well. Even if you think, oh, well, it's probably topical, it's not. We have a good laugh on those roundtables. Go back and listen to them. Um, and then maybe go back and re-watch the pay-per-views on WWE Network and you'll appreciate them all the more. Um, that's it for now. 
Uh, don't forget, jimswarman.com slash TNJ to plug this. jimswarman.com is just my website anyway. Progresswrestling.com, my wrestling company's website. And demand-progress.com is where you can watch all the past Progress shows and see me being a little ring announcer. And if you watch Chapter 9, me being beaten up, if that sort of thing floats your boat. Don't forget, we're part of the Distraction Pieces Network. Check out all the other podcasts. Obviously, Scrooby is Pip's Distraction Pieces podcast, which gave us the name for the network in the first place. And you've also got two other excellent uh, podcasts on there. Say Why to Drugs and Stop and Search podcast. Go and listen to both of those. They're great. Um, Do check those out. And then we'll get back with a roundtable discussion of SummerSlam next week. Don't forget, tweet me your top 10 SummerSlam matches. But observe the rules. No cheating, you big cheaters. Anyway, sorry about the break last week. I know you all appreciate it. Thank you for all the congratulations about the birth of my son. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you next week with a big old roundtable. See you soon. Ta-ra. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.